Episode 31 of The Paul George Show welcomes Sam Mazzarelli. A disciple is somebody that understands their identity as a son or daughter of the Father, that they are living in relationship with the Trinity, and that they're participating in the everlasting covenant that Jesus established in his Catholic Church through his life, death, and resurrection. The Paul George Show! Welcome to the Paul George Show. This week, Paul welcomes Sam Mazzarelli with Focus. They discuss the call to Christian discipleship. Also, Paul reflects on why Pope Francis makes people nervous and some of the strangest places he's ever been sent to spread the gospel. And now, from Christ Our King Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana, the well-dressed Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Show. Great to be with you today. Super excited about our show today and in studio with the smiling Adam Conk. I'm very happy. It's Holy Week, man. It is Holy Week. It's a great week. Yeah, it's the holiest week of the year. That's why it gets its name, right? Holy Week. Holy Week. Yeah, yeah. So many things happening during Holy Week, you know, so... So many things. So many things, but most importantly, have you seen this, Adam? Have you seen this? This this kid, this teenager, sent out a tweet to Wendy's wanting free nuggets for a year. Really? Yeah. And I have not seen this. Did he so, get it? So he, he tweeted Wendy's and said, what would it take for me to get free nuggets for, for a year? And they said 18 million retweets, which would be like a record. No one's ever had that many retweets. Really? Well, this thing's going viral. <laughs> so he's already at like 3 million retweets. Dang. Which is huge. Like, that's a lot. Like, that, yeah. that's a massive amount of retweets just for people who don't. He just who wants some on nuggets. Twitter, and all he wants is what he calls nugs. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you had to get free nuggets for a year, where, where would you want them from? Oh, my goodness. Um, my kitchen. My wife. Making those nuggets. She makes homemade nuggets? I mean, like, kind of, yeah. But, I, I mean, it's better than any anything you're going to buy. I'll tell you that. Really? Yeah, like little chicken tenders. Chicken tenders, mm-hmm. chicken nuggets. But if you had to get them from a restaurant, I mean, good shout out to your wife. That was a good save there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Ten but, years of marriage this year, buddy. No accident. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> you got that nugget question down. <laughs> tell you what. Um. Well, I, I do love me some Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. But he chose Wendy's and he's going he's going choice. at it. So um but he's persistent. So so it is, you know, it's like three million retweets there. That is something it's pretty funny. You can do anything in the world today. I mean, you can get free nuggets for a year. Yeah, it's amazing what social media does and and how it could be used. And the reason I bring that up is because I think social media can be used for a lot of good things. Yeah. Right. So this this kid's working on this, this free nuggets <laughs> for a year, but imagine the the what it can be used for for good. And a lot of people do use it for good. I certainly wish I was more of a millennial, uh, where I had more of a, a knack for technology. Mm-hmm. And the ability to to use these platforms, but I'm kind of learning, kind of growing. You kind of, yeah. it's actually an area where you keep me a little bit. Well, maybe one of our listeners who is a millennial will be willing to come to your house and train you. Yeah, or to the office, or to the office. <laughs> yeah, or just some random tweeter come to my house. Well, I've been thinking a lot about this lately because 
not only is social media a great way to connect people, but I'm starting to learn that it actually can build up the church. So do you remember the Roman Empire, Paul? Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So the Roman Empire... I mean, I wasn't there to remember, <laughs> but I've read I didn't know how old it. you exactly were, but... <laughs> No, but uh, we didn't build the, the church. Didn't build the Roman Empire. But when Christ came in the middle of the Roman Empire, the right. church began to use everything the empire built—the roads, the transportation, mm-hmm. the uh, easy access from country to country—to right. spread the gospel. Right. I think social media is like that. We didn't build it, but it's here, and we can use it as a church. Yeah, yeah, we can use the tool and and certainly get the message out and do good work with it. But it, for me, it could be overwhelming. I think a lot of people are overwhelmed by it. And I do think there's a delicate balance of what's too much mm-hmm. and what's kind of engaging in this culture of social media a little bit too much. I'm kind of turned off by people who are on Twitter and it's all about them. Yeah, uh, it's all about their life and, and themselves. And uh, I like to to look and follow people who are really promoting something good in the world. Uh, they kind of turn the attention off of themselves onto something else. Yeah, uh, a cause, um, something that's making a difference. That's what's important to me, and I think as the church and as people in the church, as Christians, that's what we should be doing is using it as a tool to make a difference somewhere in someone's life or in some city or whatever. That's what we should be doing. Yeah, and I think you can use social media to bring unity among people or division as well, and I've seen both applications of that where you know someone will post something or share something just to upset or divide and start an argument, or you can do the exact opposite, and that works too. Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk more about this throughout the shows because I, I want to come around this. I'm gonna have some millennials come on. Yeah, do some interviews. Do you know millennials? Well, yeah. I mean, you're one. Am I technically? I think I'm on the cusp. No, you're you not. could call me a millennial. No, you're a millennial. Really? Absolutely. I think '86 is the cutoff year. 1986. I was born in '85. Okay. So it's pretty. I mean, but, I'm on the border of millennialism. But you're there. But I'm there. Yeah, you're there. You're an old millennial. Thanks, Paul. So, which means you'll probably have a blend <laughs> of, of both. Nice. Thank you, man. Always on the bright side. Yeah. So, I was looking at this. This is kind of a cool article. Um, you know, speaking about making a difference and, and really helping people in the world. Uh, Pope Francis uh, started a laundry so- service for the homeless in Rome. It's pretty awesome. Now, you know, here's here, here's a question that I have that, that kind of bothers me a little bit is, you know, there's some people who don't like Pope Francis. I've I've heard that. Like they're like, I'm not sure about him. You know, uh, I don't really like. I, I don't know what that is. Maybe I'm not Catholic enough. I'm sort of asking you this question. <laughs> I have never not liked a pope. <laughs> like like what, like the, what what gives us the ability to not like a pope? I think it's kind of like saying I don't like my dad. Like I don't think that's ever a good statement. And we might not have the best dad in some senses in the world, but. There's always enough good about our dad to love our dad, right? Right. Now, here's what I think. I think some people are uncomfortable by Pope Francis. Yeah, it makes us uncomfortable. Uh, because he's not only saying, hey, we should like feed the hungry and help the homeless. He's actually doing it. He's doing things about it. And I think that makes people feel uncomfortable. And particularly people in America, we love to help from a distance. Mm-hmm. Um and and I say we is in me too. Like we we like to be comfortable in how we help. We like to write a check or send in an envelope or you know whatever the case may be. And Pope Francis is 
putting his words into action mm-hmm. more and more. And I think some people are like, can, can he do that? Can, and it makes people feel uncomfortable. And so as he's been talking about the homeless and helping the homeless, um, some of the churches in Rome have, have made part of their church like a, a shelter in the evenings. Um, they've gotten the new McDonald's and the Vatican Square to start uh, donating food to the homeless. It's awesome. But the newest thing is that he's actually offering a laundry service for the homeless to come and wash their clothes and, and be clean and do all those things. I think it's kind of cool. And I think it's a great example of if the church, and again, this makes us uncomfortable to think about, but if we as a church, a parish community, a Austin community, actually listen to the needs of the homeless or other people, like we start a relationship, right? we realize there's actually simple things that would make their life much better that mm-hmm. we could do like a laundromat, but we would never think of that unless we actually listen to them as to what their real needs are. Yeah, absolutely. We, we talked a few weeks ago about this ministry called Mobile Loaves and Fishes. They basically turned this whole idea of food truck industry into we're just going to take food trucks and go feed the homeless. Mm-hmm. And they do it for free, you know, through donations and whatnot. And I'm not saying that we have to start some movement, um, but God puts it on our hearts to help people, to serve people. And I just love the fact that that we do have a leader in the Pope who is taking action. And sometimes we misunderstand his words, uh, or people do, and they're kind of like, you know, who is this guy? But I think at the heart of who he is, he's a very holy man who's trying to be Christ to the world, which is his job. Yeah, yeah. You said it, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of movements, I our guest on today, I'm excited to talk to uh, Sam Mazzarelli from Focus about the Focus Movement, Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Um, and you've seen this firsthand in your experience. Firsthand of people who who God's put it on their heart and they're just taking action in the world. I, I love that. I get fired up <laughs> about people who take action in the world to make a difference, right? Who, mm. who are about a cause and at the end of their life, at the end of the day, they say, you know, I'm not here for myself. I'm here for other people. I'm here to serve. Those are the things that make the biggest difference in the world. And they still can, I think. I think a lot of times we think the world is maybe too big, you know, for any one person to make a difference. or And the church is too big. The right. problems in the world are too big. But that's that's still not the case. We still live in a world where one person or two people can make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if people are listening... You think, oh, you know, I, w- w- what can I do? I, I think everyone can do something in whatever situation they're in, whatever, you know, vocational, uh, you know, situation they're in or lifestyle or job or um, whatever platform they have. God can use them where they are to make a difference in someone's life. And that's our, that's our call as Christians. And we're going to talk about how to take action today. And coming out of Holy Week into Easter approaching Pentecost, like it's time to like light a go fire. Time. Go time. It's go time, baby. Baby. That's it. Paul George Show. <laughs> we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthcare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs 
while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShares members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George in studio. I am really, really excited to have our guest on today, Sam Mazzarelli from Focus Catholic, focus.org. Uh, Sam, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Excited uh, for the trade I'm about to start. Yeah, I know. It's Holy Week. Lots going on. Uh, it's, it's busy, um, but it's certainly one of those times where for us, as Catholics, as families, we we kind of slow down a little bit and kind of engage into this, um, the holiness of what Holy Week offers for us. So you're, you're married with kids, you work for Focus. Uh, what does your family normally do during Holy Week? You know, because my kids are so young, we are still trying to get into that uh, that mode of this is our tradition, this is what we do. But <laughs> right. last year, we, uh, we I think we made some... Uh, pretty good investments that I think we're hoping to continue this year. And um, it's really just about making sure that we can just be mindful through almost every hour of the trip to be able to stop and come together as a family and just be reminded of why is this time different than, uh, than the rest of the year. We're really making this the focal point of the year for our family. And um, our kids are, are really excited. They remember a few of the things from last year and, um, you know, I have a nine-month-old this this year, and so we did the visual last year, um, but not sure if that's going to fly with a nine-month-old. And so we're that's a that's our big tension right now is debating uh, when are we going to celebrate uh, the the resurrection. So yeah, when my kids are small, so you have you know smaller kids, and uh, it's kind of cool to hear when my kids were small, we just couldn't make the visual. Like they literally would not last through it. It was a disaster. Um, so we would do a washing the feet ceremony at our house. So I would go around and wash all their feet and we'd read the scripture. Um, and it was kind of a cool tradition as they get older and their feet become more dirty. Uh, we decided to skip that and we just go to the, the, uh, Holy, <laughs> Holy Thursday service. Um, so anyway, okay. So you work for focus. Um, what is focus? What does it stand for? And what do you guys do? Yeah, thanks. So it's uh, focused on the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, and we've been around since 1998. And uh, through just the the grace of God, uh, we just continue to be able to reach more and more college students every year. And so we're on about 125 universities across the country, and actually now two international campuses in Austria. Uh, with the with about 550 full-time missionaries. And next year, that'll grow to about 142 campuses here stateside and, God willing, about five uh, universities in Europe. Um, and, you know, our, our vision is to really make disciples, uh, but not just to make disciples while they're in college, but to really prepare them just as they're preparing for their professional career with four years of investment there that, during this time, we can really help them put the same amount of energy into being a disciple of Christ so that as they get uh, launched into the world, whether they become doctors or lawyers, mothers or fathers, priests or nuns, they have the vision uh, to live as a disciple, but more importantly, to be a disciple maker and to be able to participate in the new evangelization 
Um, and really what the, what our hope is, is that we're going to be able to launch, uh, you know, at, you know, in just in a few years, we're going to have close to 75,000 alumni. And that's, that's close. That's our staff and our students that have gone through our program. And we're going to be able to launch them into, you know, the 17,000 uh, U.S. parishes uh, across the country. And so really uh, the revitalization of, of, of parish life and discipleship within parishes is what we're excited about. And um, so we're going to see how God continues to bless this work. But um, yeah, right now we are um, really just very thankful for everything that he has uh, given us and guided us towards. And we're just hoping that the Holy Spirit continues to to use us in whatever way God is, God wills. So. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm talking to Sam Mazzarelli, uh, Focus.org, Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Like you said, you guys have, um, you know, for over 500 missionaries on campuses across the United States and now internationally. You certainly have your hands full with being a regional director here stateside and then uh, overseeing some of the international work that's going on. And then as you're talking about, you know, implementing and in helping engage your alumni, your former missionaries uh, and staff members into uh, discipleship, into parishes and parish life. So tons going on. Uh, if someone has never heard of Focus, you got to go to your website. It's phenomenal. And it kind of explains what you guys do. Um, but as you were talking, say, I want to get into this conversation because y- y'all's main mission, which is amazing, is uh, building disciples, preparing people to be lifelong disciples, uh, not only on a college campus, but certainly after they leave college, as they get into their vocation and for the rest of their life. How would you define what a disciple is? Yeah, uh, that's a, that, that is a great question, and it's, it's a, a simple but complex reality, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so this way that I would be able to, to describe it is a disciple is somebody that understands their identity as a son or daughter of the Father, that they are living in relationship with the Trinity, right, and, and participating in that divine and eternal exchange of love, um, and that they're participating in the everlasting covenant that Jesus established um, in his Catholic Church uh, through his life, death, and resurrection. Um, and so a disciple is somebody that is, knows their identity, is living in proper relationship with God, and is participating in the covenant that Jesus established uh, in his holy Catholic Church. So obviously it's someone who's fully engaged in relationship with Christ and is living that out. To kind of to back back up a little bit is as you guys are on campuses, you have missionaries and you do work all over. How do you get someone to become a disciple? How, how do they kind of you know begin the, that 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 walk with Christ and and then make that decision? Yeah, you know, we just look at Jesus. In the scriptures, it's very clear that not only did he have clear teachings, but the way that he lived his life gives us the the roadmap or the blueprint, if you will, of of how to make disciples. Um, and so you you see this method that he that he modeled over and over and over again. Um, and so you know, Second Timothy tells us that uh, you know. What we have heard before many witnesses entrust to other faithful men, um, and so that's that's the vision. But then in First Thessalonians, Paul reminds us that 
as disciples, we're not only called to share the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. And so there's this accompaniment aspect that I believe has really allowed our missionaries to bear the fruit that God has prepared for us on, on U.S. campuses. Um, because we have a simple model of we just want to win students over to Christ. We want to build them up in the church and in a, in a life of character and virtue. But then we want to prepare them to be able to accompany others for the rest of their life. And so we send them back out uh, with, with the skills necessary in the, in the heart of a discipler to be able to share this with others. Yeah, you guys have this model called uh, win, build, sin, you know, which you just talked about. And, and part of the, the win part, that, that first, um, you know, part of, of that that model is, you know, you have missionaries who build friendships and accompany other students uh, in their life. They kind of meet them where they are, whatever state uh, they're in spiritually, uh, and they begin to introduce them to a new life in Christ, right? Uh, but there's a certain point where there there's a gospel presentation. There there's this there's this uh, you know, sort of ask of, do you want to follow Christ? Like, how do you get someone there? Like, at what point does that happen in that friendship? Yeah, absolutely. And and the first thing that we need to be reminded of is that this isn't a formula. There's not a there's not a right time or a wrong time. But if we're, if we're uh, deep in prayer as disciples and we're at, and we're giving this work to the Holy Spirit. Um, there's promptings that, that, that uh, the Holy Spirit gives us uh, to be able to recognize when the right time may be to share uh, Jesus's love and mercy. Um, and so it's really through this just uh, desire of, I'm pursuing you for you, not for what I can get you to do. But when we're walking with students and these men and women on campuses in this authentic friendship, the opportunities usually just present themselves because they see something in us um, as disciples that they, they're not seeing anywhere else. And so in my experience, uh, the opportunity has presented itself from men asking me, what do you have that I don't? And I'm able to share uh, my story and what God has done in my life and then give them an opportunity to, to uh, recommit or commit maybe even for the first time in their lives to Jesus and his church. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not formula. What you guys really uh, encourage is authentic friendship with people and um, a burning desire for souls, right? So, like, I love someone enough and build someone with friendship enough that— I really want them to know Christ. I desire for them to, to go to heaven and, and to know true freedom and authentic relationship with Christ. So it's not like, hey, I, I, I'm, you know, like I'm disengaged in your life and I'm, I have other motives here. I really care about you, and I want you to know Jesus. And I think that's crucial for us as, as Christians, as Catholics to get, is that— um, we we need that desire, that burning desire, uh, to share Christ with others because we care enough about who they are and where they're going in their life. So, talking to Sam Mazzarelli, uh, focus. Uh, we're going to come back, Sam, and talk a little bit more. How, how does God launch us out into building more disciples? We we'll right back, it's Paul George. Show. <laughs> Oh,
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Talking with Sam Mazzarelli, Focus.org, Fellowship of Catholic University students. Uh, Sam's in Denver, Colorado. Um, thanks for taking the time today, Sam. Absolutely. Yeah, so you're busy. Uh, you just got back, I think the last time we talked, you were on your way to Austria because you guys have a campus there. Is that right? Yeah, we actually have two. We have one at University of Vienna and then the University in Graz, uh, which is just uh, the southern part of Austria. Wow. So I know like traveling, you have a family and certainly there's uh, a lot of heartache with traveling, leaving the family and, and doing some of the work that you're doing. But there are some advantages to going to Austria, aren't there? <laughs> yeah, the beer is wonderful. <laughs> That's what I was waiting. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for right there. Uh, plus the the scenery uh, of Europe and 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 stuff, but uh, yeah, that's great. I mean, you guys are all over, like you said, the country, um, and, and now spreading internationally, uh, sending missionaries onto campuses um, to spread the gospel and to build disciples, and then certainly those become alumni uh, partners with you in your ministry. Uh, for, for lifelong and, and to help, and they're sitting in the parishes. So the work that Focus is doing is is really branching out and becoming a lot larger than I'm sure um, the founders ever thought it would, and so the Holy Spirit just kind of takes over. You and I were talking about th- this idea of discipleship, of win, build, sin, ability to, to build this friendship and uh, win, win people over to Christ and, and help them to know true, authentic love in Jesus uh, what's the next step? How do, how do you begin to help build someone up in that relationship with Christ? Absolutely. So we, we focus on three main areas when we're building uh, disciples, and one is divine intimacy. We want to help firmly root each disciple in this intimate relationship with uh, Jesus our Holy Father, and the Holy Spirit. And the primary ways that we do that is by focusing on the sacraments of the Church, helping them deepen their understanding of the mysteries, uh, but also uh, encouraging their participation uh, in that and to create that habit of participation. Then to create a, a, a prayer life, that they are daily in conversation with God and listening to His will in their life. And then we want to instill a hunger for them to pursue heroic sanctity. I mean, our generation doesn't just need, you know, small S saints. We need capital S saints. Mm. And God is just waiting for men and women to respond to the graces that he has poured down upon us. Um, And so we just want to uh, awaken them to that desire for the rest of their life. Um, and then once once we focus on that divine intimacy, and again, this doesn't happen in any type of order. It all is organic and happens at the same time. But right. really that authentic friendship aspect where we want them um, to be able to uh, not only experience for maybe the first time real friendship with their discipler, but that they're going to be able to look at the relationships around them and to start pursuing people uh, with this this view of virtuous friendship. And so we do this by giving them an understanding that we need to share in fellowship as brothers and sisters. This isn't just a one-on-one relationship, uh, but it's, it's as we walk together as brothers, we need to be connected to the larger community within the church. Um, and then uh, within that, we want to develop uh, just a life of character and virtue. 
And so really helping them develop the habits of living uh, virtuously and then to give them the, evangel- the, the vision of incarnational evangelization, mm-hmm. that the work of evangelization is not one of teaching and preaching, but it's by being shoulder to shoulder and in the flesh uh, together. Um, and so that's, that's we really want to give them the vision of this is what we mean by authentic friendship. Uh, and then lastly, we want to form their uh, hearts and minds with this vision of mission. Uh, and the model that Jesus has given us, you know, we, we, we use this term spiritual multiplication, that we not only want to invest in the people that God puts in, in, in our life, but we want to invest through those people, through the generations. And so we want to, we want to pass on this uh, vision that we're not only reaching uh, the men and women right there in front of us, but by doing that and passing on uh, this generational desire that all men be saved, um, this is this is you know one of the first lines of the catechism that that God desires all men to be saved, and uh, so we we do that with this vision of spiritual multiplication. So you guys in the in the build phase is you're you're really helping someone grow in discipleship, grow in their relationship with Christ. Uh, it, it becomes really organic, but but certainly as a disciple, that that's really you know coming to this place where as a disciple. Uh, we're sent, like we're, we're, we're called out. And, and as you guys, you know, do this on your campuses with your missionaries, you have Bible studies, um, you know, one-on-one really discipleship and mentorship. And as those disciples are discipling others, uh, they're really grasping this vision for spiritual multiplication, right? Which is the, this idea that, like you said in the catechism, that God desires everyone to be saved. So, so what does it look like to be sent? Yeah. Well, uh, one of the mistakes we can make in sending disciples is by sending them alone. Uh, you know, Jesus uh, even shows us in Scripture. He sends them out two by two, um, and there's always an older brother or sister there to walk with you, to catch you when you stumble, to encourage you when there's persecution. But also to to realign uh, to make sure that we're we're headed in the right direction. The the work of evangelization and disciple making uh, in our culture can be very discouraging, and very quickly we can find ourselves pursuing the wrong type of things. And so uh, the first thing, uh, the first principle that we do as we're sending people is we go with them. Mm-hmm. We don't just send them out by themselves. We we accompany them on mission. Gosh. Okay. So obviously the two by two model, Jesus, I think a lot of times, honestly, Sam, when we look at scripture, we're like, oh, that's just the way Jesus did it, you know, over 2000 years ago. It has nothing to do with us today. And certainly we, we couldn't be more wrong uh, in, in that thinking. I, I, I think a lot of times when someone begins to live their faith uh, and they grasp the knowledge of Jesus and scripture and the church and they're living the sacramental life, a lot of times I think, well, living my faith means, you know, if I'm in a grocery store, I'm going to smile at someone. Um, or, you know, I might give, you know, like a dollar to a homeless person. Or I'm, I might even invite someone to Mass. But other than that, like like when Jesus talks about the Great Commission, that's what it means, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no, this is, um, this is what he 
not only communicated, but he modeled. And you see throughout uh, Paul's letters, this is how he lived. And we see this through the generations of the church, that some of the greatest saints, this is how they walked with people to fulfill that great commission. Um, and, and again, even in that great commission, you know, he wants us to make disciples of all nations. Right. And the only way that we can do that is by being sent yeah, so he, he calls us more than just to be uh, nice, uh, to be friendly, right? Like, like as, as disciples in the Great Commission, we're, we're called to make a difference in the world. And the way that we gain the most traction in that is to actually begin to build relationships with people and bring them to Christ. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And to live just uncompromised lives. You look at the saints, uh, you know, the last uh, century, and you just see these men and women that have just lived a life that is uncompromised. Uh, everything that they do is fully in union with God and is solely focused on fulfilling his mission in, in their life. I, I love that. I mean, you know, Jesus uh, and the church uh, calls us today uh, to enter into the Great Commission, you know, and as we're uh, coming out of Holy Week into Easter and then approaching Pentecost, I think it's important for us to realize as practicing Catholics, or those who are listening, uh, that that we're called to be more out into the world. We're really called to, to take action. A and maybe God's inviting you to begin to build relationship with some people in your circles and in your family or in your church or in your office building and actually start discipling someone else. Could that be possible? Yeah, you know, but uh, usually God uh, God wants us to be very organic, and um, in the way that we do that is by receiving those that are first right there around us. But sometimes, sometimes God will open doors uh, to new disciples that we we have no uh, understanding of. And actually, a perfect story. I have my friend Andrew here going to celebrate Easter with us. He's all the way from Connecticut. I only spent ten months in mission in Connecticut. And I thought I had my mission before me, but I was praying for the Holy Spirit to lead me. And I bumped into Andrew uh, on, you know, on campus, and he was not living a life anywhere close to uh, what Christ has desired for him. He was, he was just pursuing counterfeit loves uh, that the world has to offer. Um, but what's been amazing is to walk with Andrew uh, those 10 months that I was there. But as I was sent all over the country... We didn't get to spend time together like we uh, did for those 10 months, but our friendship has stayed intact. And so when he comes six years later to spend Easter with my family, uh, we, we just are able to pick up right where we left off and to encourage each other, continue to disciple him. But as I was sent, I ran into other men and men that God was calling me to disciple as well. Uh, Sam, thanks for taking the time and have a great Holy Week with your family, man. Hey, you too, man. And yeah. Uh, Look forward to continue to work in this uh, this vineyard with you, and uh, yeah, God bless you. Yeah, I can't wait, man. Let's do this again, because I'm sure I'm going to have more questions about this. So have a great day, bro. God bless. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthcare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. 
Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George, staring at the quiet Adam Conk, who's been over in his corner. I shall be quiet no longer. Here, I shall speak. Here you are, man. So great yeah. interview with Sam Mazzarelli from Focus, uh, Focus.org. You got to check it out. Sam's a great guy doing amazing work with uh, with the ministry there. So so anyway. so yeah. Well, I learned that this show that... Um, yeah, what did you learn? That you can open up a laundromat for the poor. That's a very easy thing to do. And I need to talk to people in my area about doing this. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Actually. Seems easy enough, but a big deal. What about you? What'd you learn? Um, I learned, first of all, that your wife apparently must make really good nuggets. She does. So she has great nuggets. Uh, maybe y'all can open up a fast food chain. Yeah, her name's Marianne. Mary maybe like Marianne's nuggets. Yeah. 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 Or Mar- tenders. I mean, to be honest with you, they're tenders. <clears throat> yeah. So I uh, also learned that uh Dude, it's time for me to just take action. Like, like God's yeah. calling us to move in the world and take action. And I was challenged by the show today. And third thing I learned is that uh, you know more about discipleship. So I learned three things. And, and Sam, learning. Sam really crushed the interview. So he did. Appreciated that. It's a ton of learning. Ton, ton of learning today. So anyway, how about those six packs of questions, man? Question. Question number one. So you spoke with Sam about focus, but you have a lot of firsthand experience with focus because of your time at uh, a university campus where there was focus missionaries. Yep. What was your experience of them? What fruit did you see take place through their ministry on campus? Uh, my experience was I, I loved I loved it, and I loved the focus missionaries. And I often think, man, if I would have had focus in college, and I, I got involved in my faith in college and, and kind of just did this whole ministry evangelization discipleship thing with some friends, but we didn't really have the training or an organization uh, to kind of help with that process. So for me, working on a campus and having these young missionaries um, alongside, uh, partnering in the ministry and doing a lot of the 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 uh, evangelization and discipleship work is phenomenal. And they do a great job of building relationships with college students and accompanying them, building friendship. And exactly really what Sam said is this whole idea of win, build, sin. Uh, they did that. I saw it firsthand, uh, the fruits of that. Nice. Well, the second question is related to the win, build, sin. Okay, gotcha. so this model. Yep. That Sam mentioned. What is the quickest win that you've ever witnessed? Like you start telling somebody about Jesus, and I'm like, "Yep, I'll do it. I'll do the Jesus thing." What's the quickest win you've witnessed when someone was proclaiming Jesus? And then follow up question: What is the longest? Like they didn't, they just wouldn't do it, but then they finally did. Well, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I, I've seen uh, people uh, respond to the charisma, uh, the word. Uh, the message of Christ, uh, whether it be at a conference or on a retreat, uh, whether it be in an interaction one-on-one, 
really just be convicted by the Holy Spirit in their heart and like, yeah, I want to, I want to change my life. I want to repent to turn around. Right there. Right there. You know, so wow. I've seen that conversion. Uh, but even in that conversion process, we need someone to, to accompany us in that process, and that's the build part. How do you live for Christ? What does that mean? How do you let go of the past? Where, where do you go with with learning this new way of living life, right? And there's been people in my life who I've accompanied and journeyed with and mentored who uh, it took years for someone to even even change anything. Years plural. Years plural. Hmm. Uh, I remember one guy in particular. I started uh, meeting with him when he was in college. Uh, he got engaged, broke off the engagement because uh, things happened. Um, went through, you know, drugs, alcohol, bad relationships, and I consistently just met with him. And there were times where I'm like, I'm getting nowhere. I need to quit. And the Lord's like, just stay consistent in his life. Stay consistent. Well, now he's doing great. He's sort of come back to the faith. He's engaged. He's doing phenomenal walking with Christ. And it just took a long time. It took a long time, and sometimes that, that's that's sort of the process. Cool. All right, number three. So it's when build sin, correct? So right. How did you get built up, or how do you currently get built up? But you know, in your discipleship process, as you were coming into the church and more active, mm-hmm. what built you? Like uh, me personally. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're always being built. You know, so I think that's part of the accompaniment, the mentorship. Um, that we should all have in our life, other people that are walking with us, that are helping to challenge us and build us up as a disciple. So it's not like once you're a disciple, you sort of have it all together and then you never need to grow. I mean, the church really functions as it's constantly teaching us and challenging us and moving us along, and we need other people in our life who are walking with us. So I have I have older people who, who mentor me, I spiritual direction and uh, I'm constantly wanting to learn and grow, and I can't think that I'm just because I'm I'm a disciple of Christ. I've made that decision that that there's no way I'm going to backslide. Like so we so yeah. we need things in our life that are helping us grow and move forward, so that when we're when we're being sent out right and and we're serving the world and evangelizing and making other disciples, we're actually living the faith. You know, we're not this sort of hypocrite out there, and not that we're perfect. None of us will ever be perfect, but we're living it. We're sold out for the message of Christ. But where were you first built? Like when you were first won over, okay, I'm going to do this Jesus thing. Like what was your experience of being built up initially? Uh, initially, it was um, a couple of men in my life, a little bit older, who said, I'll walk with you. I'll teach you how to read scripture really? and, and to pray. And what does it mean to, you know, to, you know, live live a pure life and a holy life and I'll walk with you. I'll meet with you consistently. And there were people who did that for me. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't think many people have that experience. No, and that's what we need to do. We need mm. to walk with people and accompany people. And we need to... Uh, the the people who are disciples that I know are people who have had that in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's what Christ did. Christ walked with the apostles. He accompanied them and taught them a new way of living as this process, this journey. Very cool. Yeah. All right, so I have a number four is about being sent. What's the weirdest scenario you've ever been sent to that you really felt Jesus wanted you there? You're like, like, hear Jesus? Really? Really? <laughs> but like you knew the answer was yes. Hear? Uh, you know, physically being sent, I mean, I've traveled all over the world. Right. 
Uh, and so there's times where, you know... But that's I, so romantic. Like, you get sent far away to preach the gospel. What's, like, the most unromantic sin thing you've ever experienced? There, there's times where you go, and, <laughs> like, I would travel into a city not knowing where I'm going or what I'm fully doing. Yeah. And, you know, someone will pick me up at the airport, and then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's a two-hour drive. <laughs> uh, I'm like, what? Like... <laughs> And so it's like a two-hour drive in the middle of nowhere, and, and nice. it's just a church in the middle of nowhere or a school, and then they just kind of hand you a microphone. They're like, <laughs> thanks for coming. Please help, you know? Yeah. It's during those times where nobody knows where you are. There's no flash, no glamour, uh, no cameras, and it's just like the Lord's like, I sent you here for a reason. Mm. You know, like remember why you're here. And and so the, there's definitely times like that. I remember one time I th- I was flying somewhere, and when we landed, I didn't realize we were crossing the border into Canada. And then we went in the middle of nowhere, Canada. I had no idea that that's what we were doing. You thought you were in the, still in the U.S. of A? I thought we were going to stay in the United mm-hmm. States. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of Canada, in the middle of nowhere. I had to call and tell my wife that I'd left the country. <laughs> <laughs> Sweetie. Hey, I'm not in the country, babe, just in case something happens. <laughs> And she's like, how did you not know? I was like, there was a, a slight miscommunication. Uh, but so times like that, and then even times where I've moved physically, our family, where you have to be reminded, like, God sends you here. And so maybe someone's listening, and they're in a certain job situation, or they're in a certain vocational uh, situation, or whatever. They live in, in a certain place. God's got you there for a reason and a purpose, and it's important to connect with the greater reason and purpose for why you're there. Awesome. So he talked about, or maybe he didn't mention actually, but focus focuses a lot on Bible studies to mm-hmm. disciple, and that's mm-hmm. what they do. They start Bible studies on campus. So my question for you is, what's the connection between actually studying the Bible together in a group and discipleship? Right. How are those two ideas connected? Well, they're connected because one of the things that Jesus did, he basically had a small group for three years, you know, 12 guys. And he constantly had a small group, basically, you know, a scripture study and, you know, a life study. And they built relationships. So a lot, a lot of times in those Bible studies, what you do is you can build relationships with those six, seven, eight, nine people in that, in that small group. And then from there, there's an accompaniment. There's a walking with, you know, maybe you meet one-on-one or uh, two-on-one and begin to dive deeper into what the scripture said or how does this translate into my life or dating relationships or my future marriage, whatever the case may be, right? So the the Bible study is meant, one, to dive deeper in a word. What does God tell us about life? And how mm-hmm. does that, and then the discipleship, the walking with is, how does this translate into my life on the day-to-day? How, does, how do I live this out? Awesome. All right, last question. So it's Holy Week. Is there a connection between the idea of Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus, that we're in this time that we're focusing on all, all these ideas and discipleship. What's the connection there? Well, the connection is that it's the fullness of the Paschal mystery, the passion, death, and resurrection. And when we look at the cross, we see our autobiography. But when we look into the tomb, we see the rest of our story. And it's important for us to, to really live both the, the passion, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And to be a, a real full disciple of Christ is to engage in both. But to understand that, that in the death of the cross, we die to ourselves. Our sins are forgiven. And yet in the resurrection of Jesus, we have hope 
and we're sent out into the world. Now, we are the disciples of today's world, and we are sent out into the world to make a difference and to change people's lives. A great show. Thanks to Adam, Sam, Mazzarelli. You can find us, The Paul George Show, on iTunes, Google Play, all over the place, paulgeorge.la. Great to be with you today. Talk to you next week. God bless.